Oh, no one ever thinks about the flu below the decks. They're drinking and they're partying and having lots of sex. They cook and clean and serve the rich with a smile all day. But when the richies leave the ship, the yachties get to play. yo ho Before we dip our toe in the med, just a quick word from our sponsor. And while you're listening, maybe you could leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on. We appreciate you. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to another Gangplank Report. We are talking about Below Deck Med Season 7, Episode 14, and Bravo decided to call it In a Bind, Dom, and we decided to call it Head of Trash Speaking. Trash Speaking, that's right. (laughs) And here is Jen for your rapid recap. Storm, storms off, back to home. Z feels weird about trying to comfort him when he's feeling disappointed about not getting promoted. Tosh winds up in tears in the club loo after a call with her boyfriend. The next morning, Jason gets a little emotional when he leaves and everyone seems disappointed he's going. Didn't see that coming. The new guests are a combo of clean and dirty. Reed arrives to take Jason's place, roll tide. I don't know if you can call it a breakup, but if so, that's what Storm and Nat did. The boat is bursting at the seams with provisions and Nat and Tosh butt heads over it. The guests waste no time stripping down to their birthday suits. Tosh sends Nat to cover the beach party. The guests use an old fortress as a backdrop for nudes and TikToks. Nat is frustrated to find that in the whole time she was gone, neither Kyle nor Tosh cleaned the VIP cabin, which was one of only two things she left for them to do. Kyle apologizes to guest Diana that her cabin was delayed in cleaning because the head of housekeeping was on the beach and Nat loses it. And that's your rapid recap. Awesome. Um, yeah, this episode for me, first of all, I don't need to see that many naked guests. Yeah, that just grosses me out. Well, and I mean, that charter guest to me was creepy yeah he's been on before and he was creepy then and he's creepy now it's just creepy to me that he's like yeah girls get naked like i just i what yeah like you can't think of better things to do on your vacation i get you're a dude and you're single and you can and you're rich and the girls will do it because you're rich Mm -hmm. but it's just trashy all the way around and i just i can't get behind it yeah 
I don't find it entertaining. No. I don't find it funny. I don't find it interesting. It annoys me, and I wish we didn't have to do it. Yeah, it's skeevy. It makes me want to shower afterwards. It seems predatory to me. And post Me Too, I mean, prior to that, it was kind of the way of the world, I guess. But aren't we smarter and more evolved now? It's just gross. I don't like it. Yeah. Not a fan. And I would have been Reed. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, a naked girl is a naked girl. But when mm-hmm. it's in front of you and God and everybody, right. and this is your first experience on this boat, like, poor kid. Yeah. I don't mind exhibitionists. I don't mind people doing whatever they want to do on their own time in their own space. It's when it invades my space that I get annoyed with it. It's like, if you want to be like that, if that's how you want to spend your yacht time, you're paying for the yacht, do whatever you want. It's just the filming it part. I don't know. Just bugs me. Skeevy. It is. It's skeevy. Yeah. Oh, anyway, the whole storm thing. Let's get off the desk for a second. I kind of understood both sides of this. I do think that he gets a little riled up when he's drunk and he is kind of over emotional, but I also thought how she spoke to him was inappropriate. So I don't have a side on this. Do you have a side? I mean, I at first thought that their relationship on the ship was cute. Yeah. And now I'm just annoyed by it because I feel yeah. like it just ruins every night out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just kind of over it. Kind of like I'm over everything about this season, to be honest. I am too. I'm on the struggle bus big time. It's very hard to watch. (laughs) It's hard to watch. It's hard to find enjoyable things about it. I feel kind of like Jason, like I'm ready to go home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's times when I watch it and I'm, I just want to rock back and forth in a quiet place. Like, (laughs) Like, I just, I'm not enjoying it. Yeah, I feel like I'm doing damage to myself by just continuing to watch, but here we are more than halfway through the season. So what choice do we have? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, ugh, it's just so frustrating because yeah. I feel like the shows again, you know, we've got historical evidence here that the shows can be great. Maybe the editors just didn't have a lot to work with. It's gotta be something like that. I can't put my finger on what's wrong with it, though. I think Karina hit it a little bit when we did the Superfan episode when she said that a lot of the drama is separated exterior and interior. So it's not very fluid. It's like watching multiple things within one. Right. And that's part of it for me. But there's a lot of people that I enjoy on here. And for some reason... It's just not translating for me. I'm very happy for Courtney that she got the gig. I'm sad for Z that he didn't, but I understand production wise why it would be better to have Courtney be the Malia 2.0. I understand all the rationale behind it. I just kind of didn't like him being stepped over. And I've had a couple conversations with people online, Roseanne and a few other people that feel the same way. We don't dislike Courtney. We like her a lot, but it just seems... A little force fed, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think, what makes it difficult for me, too, is that there are people that I like, but I'm just, I'm not captivated by this season. Mm -hmm. And I think when there's a common enemy like Lexi or like Sandy was for a season or Sandy and Malia were for a season, you see more bonding happening with the crew because they're all trying to take care of each other kind of thing. And I don't feel like we really have that. Yeah. 
I don't feel like we have it either. I think it's because the people who are unlikable, like Jason was very quiet. Okay. First off, we do have a question from John in New Jersey. He asked this actually prior to last week's episode, but because we recorded early because of Hurricane Ian, we didn't get to include it, but he wanted to know why we thought they would cast such an antisocial person on the season. He said he makes Lexi look like a social butterfly. He's not only unlikable, uncooperative, and uniquely weird. He's unwatchable. Tell us how you really feel, John. (laughs) He said, I wonder if they did this on purpose or is this an act and we're all being played? I don't think it's an act. I -hmm. think that there's some people that come across really interesting, like full of personality in their interviews. Right. And then they get to screen or, I mean, it's happened to me before where I've jumped on cruise before where I just didn't get along with anybody. Right. I just didn't drive with anybody. And so my real person, I mean, watch my season, you know, (laughs) I just didn't get along with the people that I was working with because Mm -hmm. they were terrible humans. I mean, not my fault, but it was really difficult to open up and be myself. That's why I wished that I had a redemption season, because I feel like if people had seen what my personality is really like, it would have been a completely different ballgame. But I, it was the most stressful six weeks of my life. Right. It was an unknown quantity. Like, I didn't have previous seasons of the show to watch to know what to expect. So I was just kind of walking in blind, and therefore I was scared. And then run that up against the fact that I was working with people who just had no general respect for authority Mm -hmm. or dedication to the job like I did. And it creates a bad situation. And maybe he just from the get go, like I did, felt awkward and just didn't jive with anybody. So I think he has the potential of having a lot of personality. And I mean, we saw him in his one on ones, at least be a little bit more expressive and introspective And try to be funny, even though a lot of his jokes were kind of flat by that point. I think he probably came across really well in his interviews and very personable. And it's probably because he was trying really hard to make that impression to the casting directors. Mm -hmm. But I think in practice, it just didn't pan out for him. I don't think it was intentional on anybody's part. And I think if he had such a non-personality that he never would have made it through casting. Right. I've met people who have come across a certain way that seem very happy, very jovial, funny, lighthearted, and then adversity strikes and it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. And I think that's what happened here. I think he was faced with adversity, with not getting along, not feeling included, and he turtled up and turned into a different person. And it's a protective measure. And I don't think that he's an awful person. I just think he wasn't a good fit. I think Sandy, how she put it was the best way that just because two people don't like each other doesn't mean either one of them's bad. It just doesn't click sometimes. And I think that's what happened here. I was surprised at how many people seemed disappointed that he was leaving when he finally left. I mean, he did too. Yeah, he did get a little emotional. I think if you go into something, you're not going in there planning to leave early. So I think that was a big regret for him. I think he's the type of guy who would want to see it through. Oh, for sure. I agree with that. 
And I think that's the difficult part is that you go into things, at least you hope that people go into things with the best of intentions and sometimes it just doesn't pan out. Right. I.e. my season one. Yeah. Well, thank you, John, for your question. And we have actually another question from Princess Leanne. And this has to do with the provision debacle that we're seeing happen. And she said, with all of those extra provisions, Tosh orders, who gets the bill for that? She says, I assume it's the yacht owner, but is she given a budget per charter or will they get a bill and be like WTF? So the way that it normally works is slightly different than the way that it works for the show. The way that it normally works is that the charter guests pay for booze, food, fuel, dockage. Okay. The way that it works for the show is that it's an all-inclusive price. Okay. So they are including all of those things unless they ask for something really special, like... They want caviar every night, something. I mean, they're not there long enough to put a real big dent in the bill, the total bill. Okay. So what they're paying for covers everything that they're doing. And a lot of their itineraries are already kind of planned out for them. Mm -hmm. So basically they get on the boat and they're like, this is the vacation you're going to have. They get a few choices, maybe about dinner themes or activities, like how physically capable are you of hiking up a mountain in the buff, you know, (laughs) but they don't get a lot of choices for the money that they're paying. Okay. Like you would in a normal charter. Like in a normal charter, we would go back and forth using the charter broker to choose destinations and meals. And they would send me a huge list of alcohol, but that's because they're paying for it and they know it. Yeah. So when you were ordering, and I know that it might not be the same now as it was season one, were you ordering directly with vendors or were you sending it to somebody on production and they would do the ordering for you? No, I was communicating directly with the vendors. Now they have a production person that does all of that. And every phone call that they make to like get a band out last minute or get a thing last minute, that's all set up already. So If production had a problem with how much she was ordering, they could nip it in the bud right there. Correct. All right. So she's got at least tacit approval because nobody's told her no. Right. Okay. And the way that it worked my season is that between Ben and I, we were ordering everything for the next trip or two. Right. Now they have basically a mobile warehouse, like pods that they keep things in or refrigerated pods. So they get a lot of their product way in advance. Unless it's like this, where the guest asked for the specific fish dish, he might have had to procure that locally last minute, Mm -hmm. which is easy to do when you're in a port town, right? you know, to be able to get something like that. It's not a big deal. But most of the time, most of their product is already on hand. Very cool. Well, thank you for your question too, Leanne. And if any of you all have questions, feel free to hit us up at gangplankreport at gmail.com or do like Leanne did and just ask us on Twitter. Getting back to the show, this fortress I thought was a gorgeous backdrop. And as a photographer, I was really sad at the use it was put to, but I don't mind excursions like this one in the general sense. I like this better than a beach party. I like seeing the landscape of where they are and getting more than just a water view, I guess, of Malta. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought it was really nice, save for the nudes. Yeah, he is a decent photographer. I will give him that because I am very critical 
I see people on Facebook all the time that are like doing their own little kind of pop up. I'm a photographer thing and I look at it and I'm just like, oh, good gravy. But he really does take great photos. It helps that he has super high def equipment, but (laughs) he does have a good view of composition because you can have the greatest equipment and you can not know how to compose a shot. And he really is a good photographer. So I will give him that. But at the same time, yuck. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. So what did you think the show ended with? Kyle telling this guest, Diana, that her cabin was delayed because the head of housekeeping was on the beach. And first off, she didn't say anything. I know she said something in her preference sheet, but to my knowledge, she didn't complain to anybody that her cabin was a mess. And even when he brought it up, she acted like it was no big deal. So do you have any clue why Kyle might have put this out there? Um, because he's petty and lazy. <laughs> I love you. Because <laughs> he's not accepting responsibility for the fact that they slacked off while she was gone. Yeah, there were two of them back there. All the guests were climbing a mountain. How could they not get the VIP cabin done and then the bathroom in the twin room? Those were the only two things that weren't done. I mean to tell you, I'm just over them at this point. Yeah. Like there's really no excuses for their lack of awareness about the situation that they're in and what they have to do in their responsibilities it's just and that totally busted him too i mean oh yeah she caught the whole conversation it wasn't there was no wiggle room for him and he still was defiant like she didn't understand the context i heard the whole thing i got the context the context was it wasn't my fault and it's not like he was saying that it was nat's fault But it was like he was saying it was her job exclusively. Right. There is no such thing as head of housekeeping. That's By the way, that's the chief's due. Mm -hmm. Is head of housekeeping. Good point. (laughs) So, yeah, it was BS. I was a little annoyed at Dave. He was kind of smirking at Kyle blowing up on Natalia. That was the first dim to his chrome for me. We'll have to see where it goes from here. Well, he also could have been smirking because he was wearing eyeliner and a unitard (laughs) and screaming at somebody, which is a little ridiculous to begin with. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) It could have been that. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It could have been more situational than him being evil about it. You know what I mean? that's That's a good point. I just found it disappointing that he was laughing because I thought he was laughing in agreement. But you're right. Maybe he was laughing at the He was probably insanity. Laughing at a grown man in a unitard <laughs> wearing eyeliner trying to be angry. Like, how are you supposed to take that seriously? I wouldn't. Yeah. So that's pretty much the end of this episode. Oh, we didn't get to talk about Reed, the new guy. What's your first impression? I mean, other than the fact that he was mortified, he was watching naked chicks on his first day on the job. Like, Mm -hmm. there's not really much to say. Yeah, I like a sweet Southern boy. I've seen a lot of not nice things said, and I like him. I think the previews showed us that there's going to be some miscommunication and Courtney gets her feelings hurt. To me, he does not seem like the type of guy who's going to go out of his way to do that. I feel like it's going to be a miss, but we'll have to see what happens. No, he reminds me a little bit of is Culver. Yeah, I've seen people compare the two of them. 
there was a picture that he had that was very similar to Culver. He just seems like a sweet guy. He worked on tugboats. I don't know if they're pulling the Eddie card here with that, but I didn't have any problems with him. He seems nice and polite. He did say that he has a habit of sticking his foot in his mouth. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. That might at least give us some drama to look forward to, but true. he seemed like a good egg. We'll have to see. Yeah. Before we end, I would like to talk to you a little bit about what you've been doing because we have been out of touch pretty much except for one or two times for a week and a half because you have been hopping. Tell me a little bit about what happened when you went to Fort Myers with World Central Kitchen. So I initially volunteered with World Central Kitchen for a day, mm-hmm. a couple of days after the hurricane here in Tampa, because they had set up a facility here and a friend of mine connected me to them. So I went in as a chef to help them. And then they asked me to stay on for a couple more days, which I willingly did because everybody that I met there was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then they shifted the kitchen down to the Minnesota Twins facility, their spring training facility that is down in Fort Myers. And there's accommodation there that's actually for the players when they go down there to practice. And it was amazing. I went out to distribution a couple of times. So I was actually meeting the people that were affected by the hurricane. I wasn't just in the kitchen the entire time. And I mean to tell you, it was like driving through Fort Myers to get to the place. I was actually up in Port Charlotte, which was a little bit north, and they got whacked by the hurricane as well. Mm -hmm. And the trees down and the power lines and the houses that were just like roofs blown off. It was crazy. I just, I was so busy that I didn't have a lot of time to take a lot of photos, but I'm sure by now people have seen a lot of the news coverage and the still shots and the videos of the bridge. We were seeing things all the time. I also saw the presidential car brigade or whatever it's called, the caravan of secret Mm -hmm. service vehicles passed by me one day when I was on my way to a location. It's hard to explain unless you're there or unless you've experienced something like that, what it is. But I mean to tell you, there were people that were coming up because we were serving some of our food out of a food truck on location. The people that were coming up and the gratitude that they had for being able to have a hot meal after not eating or, you know, hot food for days or showering or anything like they were just grateful that people cared enough to be there to feed them. Mm -hmm. And I have nothing but amazing things to say about World Central Kitchen. The people that I met through this organization, everybody's there because they want to help. Because they genuinely care about other people and most of them are people they've never met before or have any connection to, but they understand inherently the value of what they're doing. And I'm going to get choked up. I've never met a group of people that worked so hard just to be able to help other people. I mean, we were getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day and pushing out thousands of meals that were going all over seven different counties Mm -hmm. to feed people that needed it and nobody complained i mean by the end of our working shift which was about 12 hours long everybody was exhausted everything hurt my feet hurt it was hot because we were working outside with you know no air conditioning and barely any ventilation but no one was there to complain about it so when i see below deck and i see 
these guys complaining about these little insignificant things, it makes me just want to slap them. Yeah. Because there's so much good that can be done. Right. And even though we're working in these really adverse conditions, people are just still passionately excited to be there. And I've never witnessed anything like that before. And I can't wait for the next time. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say thank you to you and to everybody who is down there and volunteering. I know that you don't like praise and I know it makes you squirrely and uncomfortable, but what you were doing touched people that I know. John has a grade school chum of his that lives in Fort Myers and I have his firsthand account of the difference that you all made down there. He was without electricity, without water, without anything for several days and you guys made a difference in his life and so as somebody who's not even in Florida it rippled out and I got to see the contribution that you all were making so thank you so much for giving of your time and doing that and thank you to World Central Kitchen if you would like to help World Central Kitchen they're in like eight places right now across the globe Adrian is that right yeah eight or nine eight or nine places across the globe right now. They're a wonderful organization. If you want to help out, go to wck.org backslash donate. Anything you can give them would be greatly appreciated and it will be put to good use. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you for the next one. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off me, hearties.